This program contains adult content. Is there a God? A big atheist. Really? What, am I an idiot? Come on. But yes, it would be nice if you could throw your sins and your responsibilities on someone else. But it's not true. It looks like far-left lunacy. I don't believe that it's true that religion is moral or ethical. You don't need to follow anybody! It's not human intelligence! If someone doesn't value logical consistency, what logical argument are you going to give them that will demonstrate that they should? Welcome to the show, Rebels. This is episode 155. Uh, I'm, I'm Dan, and... Of course, in studio have the two gra- the two greatest co-hosts ever. Oh, thank you, oh. <laughs> Mr. Ryan Duffy. Yes, sir. And Mr. Matt Mitchell, the resident misanthrope Matt. <laughs> and tonight we are delighted to have in studio with us uh, special guest, Mr. Roy Jeffs. Hey, everybody, <laughs> that's me, Roy Jeffs. <laughs> and it's warm in here. This is, I think, the warmest day of the year so far. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. Even the AC, we... the AC is not on yet. Maybe we'll have to kick that on in a bit. Um, this is episode 155. Today is Thursday, May 4th. May the 4th be with you. Oh my God. I got to tell you about this. Okay. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> so there's this gal on my team at work, right? And this skirt, this dame, this chick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this fucking broad, right? <laughs> this maiden. <laughs> no, but she like she organizes like potlucks for the team and everything. She's kind of team mom, self-proclaimed or whatever. Oh. Uh-huh. And it's fine. But she's a little bit like, uh, mm, I don't know. She doesn't know a lot of things. So so she's <laughs> slow. She's kind of dumb. Is that what you're saying? So I mean, she's really nice, but <laughs> <laughs> well, she has to be. She's really dumb. So she's got to you know play to the kindness of others. Yeah. So so we had two other departments that we work fairly closely with. Contact her about setting up a potluck for today, and uh, she had no idea what the reference was for May the fourth. Right. Uh, so she sent a message out to let everyone know about the pot- potluck. Um, and she opened the message by saying, let the fourth be with you. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to have a potluck for Cinco de Mio (laughs) on May 4th. And I'm like, May 4th, it's right there. It's the next line. Like that's the whole reason for the doing it on, cause we're going to be at work tomorrow on Cinco de Mayo. We could have done it that day, but we're doing it today (laughs) for May 4th. Anyway. Yeah, that was pretty funny. We had a good uh, me and this other person on our team had a good uh, <laughs> good time making fun of her all week. Yeah, the the May the Fourth thing bothers me just because it's I don't know it's like a dad joke at this point. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we're so oh first before we get too far into things, I want to say a person. I want to take a personal moment here and say congratulations very much to my wonderful son Graymar Casey for graduating university today hey congratulations earned his bachelor's of science in mathematics with minors in both computer science and uh physics and has already been accepted to grad school nice he's got an internship that he'll be starting on monday actually (laughs) um that was quick with a company that does modeling for energy usage okay they have a software package that predicts energy you know tries to predict energy usage and that kind of stuff sounds pretty cool he's very excited about it and then starts grad school in the fall so 
I'm, I just, I can't tell you how fucking excited and happy I am that, you know, he's 20, 23 years old now and has already accomplished something that I never finished. I didn't, I didn't get my degree. I went to college for a while. I, I don't think I'm too far off from getting my degree, but I just never finished it. I just never went to college. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And it doesn't show. I know, isn't that great? <laughs> but it sounds so easy. <laughs> but he's he's yeah. he's like the smartest kid I know. He's the kindest, most loving, just great fucking human being. I, I love that kid. So. Yeah, he's a good dude. Congratulations! He's, he just got one flaw. He won't join us on this I'm show. His dad. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, he won't come on the show. He's he's a little well. He sat Mike in, shy. he sat in here once. Yeah, he didn't. When, when we had Russell Glasser on, he sat right there. Yeah. Yeah, but he just listened, though. Yeah. He didn't, he didn't want to talk on the microphone. But, yeah, it was, it was, I'm, I'm incredibly proud, and today was a good day. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, I did, there, well, never mind. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there, there were certain things about today that I didn't enjoy uh, a whole yeah, lot, but. Yeah. You already told us about those. Yeah. Told you guys off air. It That's has fine. been a, it has been a rather <laughs> up and down Fourth of Let this year. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> oh, the other thing I was going to say about the the May the 4th thing, it's, you know, I get a little bit tired of it now because it's like a worn out dad joke. And while we were waiting, this, this is the train of thought I had. Mm. I was talking about May the 4th and then it reminded me that while we were waiting for the convocation to begin today, uh, Tracy just leaned over and said, may the 4th be with you. And I was like, <laughs> God damn it. Because she knows it like bothers yeah. me at this point. And I'm like, tomorrow's a much better holiday. And she's like, oh, what, the made-up holiday of Cinco de Mayo? And I'm like, you just told me May the 4th, man. What the fuck? Like, you can't just say, oh, the stupid made-up holiday. She's like, well, Mexicans don't really celebrate it in America. And I'm like, fuck yeah. That's, That's a great excuse to drink tequila and eat tacos, man. We celebrate anything where it allows you just to get drunk for no reason. Be, that should be like the greatest holiday. I mean, behind St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. And, and I would imagine Cinco de Mayo has a has a... Uh, leg up on St. Patrick's Day because the weather is nicer usually. Oh yeah, yeah, and being Irish is kind of passe anyway. Yeah, fuck, what do you that, got fuck those guys. Irish. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> well, shall we get on with the rest of the shoe? Yeah. All right. So, thank you very much for coming into the studio, man. I, I was really looking forward to this interview. Um, for yeah, for the people who are unfamiliar. Uh, you are Roy Jeffs, son of Mr. Warren Jeffs. Uh, Warren Jeffs was the, well, is the, I guess, still prophet for the Church of the, what is it, the Fundamentalist? Yeah, Fundamentalist Latter-day Saints is the, kind of the, the, uh, the definition of the acronym FLDS. Okay. Yeah, but it's basically, they add Fundamentalist to the same title as the Mormon Church, so Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, so that's their official title. Hmm. So the Fundamentalist Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? <laughs> yeah, it's a long one. <laughs> it's, a, it's a mouthful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, how do they differ from the the more mainstream LDS faith? Well, so, I mean, the, the FLDS now is, is um, I wouldn't say black and white different, but it's, it's uh, vastly different from what it was 10 years ago, easily. Um, basically kind of when my dad took over. Um, but originally like what the FLDS stood for was the, um, like the, the core teachings that Joseph Smith taught. So if you wanted to find a group 
that followed what Joseph Smith himself taught um, as far as polygamy, one-man rule, all of that stuff. We were pretty close, other than we didn't have, like, the organized, um, the organized, uh, like, we didn't have quorums and all of that stuff. We, you know, there, we still had, like, the Melchizedek, Aaronic, and that, that sort of thing. But The different priesthoods? Yeah. We had the different priesthoods, but we didn't have, um, like, like, quorums and the Relief Society and, and all of that stuff. But, but we, as far as teachings went, we were pretty close to the original um uh doctrine of Joseph Smith and and the our our main thing was you know doctrine of covenants teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith that book um life of the prophet Joseph Smith by George Buchanan um history of the church we i mean we knew that stuff like the back of our hand um so that was primarily what we grew up on but then when my dad took over um he eventually kind of morphed it into where his words and ideas kind of replaced a lot of that teaching. So he basically took the authority that Joseph Smith's teachings, you know, supposedly gave him and then was like, okay, since I have this authority, therefore do whatever I say. And then he would add like, you know, things like don't eat onions and stuff, <laughs> which I couldn't, I couldn't comply with. I like onions. I know I'm weird. I didn't know that like was onions. one of the things he, he said was it, don't it was, eat onions. I, I don't know. I, I was, by the time I left, I was hearing so many things. Like you couldn't have any milk products, any dairy products, which I was like, screw you. Like I, I like milk, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not, um, you know, and, and black pepper couldn't have black pepper, um, onions, racist. Uh, corn. It, was, it was probably just everything that gave him indigestion. That's probably what I was like, is he trying to get us like on a diet of prison food? This is bullshit. <laughs> so do you, so do you think that he, so your, your father claims to be a prophet of God, of course, yeah. as, as the head of, uh, his church, of course, Joseph Smith said the same thing, uh, more, more mainstream Mormons. Even though they have uh, a prophet, you know, a, a president of the church who is also prophet, seer, and revelator, um, they don't typically refer to them by that extra long yeah. title. It's just, you know, the church president said or, or the president yeah. said. They don't, they don't necessarily refer to him as the prophet a whole lot. <laughs> yeah. Generally, they reserve that for speaking about Joseph Smith. Yeah. And, and we, so, so uh, present prophets were the the people named them as um it was, so everybody else besides my dad's family like we called him father um but everybody else called him uncle warren so anybody that was any sort of um had any sort of standing in the church basically when you knew you'd you know sort of you know made it as far as being when you had state, arrived when you had arrived is when people started calling you uncle so huh. it was uncle warren uncle roy uncle rulin all of this um uncle stuff a lot of uncles um, but, but are, are they not all his nieces and nephews? No. Oh, oh no. No. <laughs> I was going to say, maybe so. <laughs> no. I mean, this is, I mean, when, when my, before, before so many people left, then there was, you know, I think upwards of seven, 8,000 people there. Mm. And everybody called him Uncle Warren besides us because he was, you know, my dad. So I called him father because mm. um, we couldn't say dad or mom. Um, Hmm. so, uh, yeah, that's kind of how we, but, but also it was, it was either uncle Warren or our prophet, but people usually didn't say the prophet Warren Steve Jeffs, unless they were like really trying to drive home a point. Hmm. Generally, I would imagine that they use that kind of language when they're speaking with an outsider. 
or or somebody who may not really know a lot about the church or um to a degree maybe just to like initially introduce who my dad was like this is who our prophet is and then eventually after that just out of habit they'd say uncle warren um hmm. to outsiders so hmm. and you were living down in colorado city or I'm trying to think of Short Creek um, or I'm trying to think of Yeah, they call it Short Creek. Um actually it's Short Creek. There you short go. Short Creek. I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm from the Midwest. It's a creek. <laughs> I'm learning how to say creek. I'm like <laughs> But yeah, it's it's short creek and we're all crickers, so back off. That sounds a little no. racist. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's what we call ourselves or call ourselves. Um no, I I mean I I mean I was there off and on. I mean, we moved from um, up here in Salt Lake. We moved from here down there um, back in 1990, late 1998, I think. Okay. Um, so, yeah, we moved down there and I, I, I spent some time there, but um, eventually got shipped off to hiding. Um, so I, I spent about six and a half years there before um, being, you know, shipped down to uh, New Mexico. So... Um, that primarily that uh, from about the age of six to twelve, kind of grew up there. I just figured a lot of listeners might actually know about Colorado City and Shore Creek because that kind of been it was in the news quite a bit. And that and the uh, compound in Texas, which I'm trying to think of. That's yeah. The, so they you, it was named the YFC Ranch. Yeah, but it was an El Dorado. We <laughs> another thing we all we all called it El Dorado. Everybody <laughs> in Texas was like El Dorado. Like, no, it's El Dorado. <laughs> We're from Utah. We call it Crick, and it's El Dorado. <laughs> so, <laughs> so was was the thing in Texas tied to your your father's? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was basically the utopia, or we called it Zion. Mm. Um, before we knew, you know, what it was, but we we were just we we called it Zion. So it's basically where the people, everybody else, was working to prove worthy to be able to go there. Um, cause that was, to know. be able to go to Texas. Yeah. These are people who embrace the word fundamentalist. So <laughs> yeah. now that was that now Texas is, they have, uh, the worst thing, um, that I remember was they have these, they had these, uh, bugs called, bli- we call them blister beetles. I don't know what their official title was, but they, they would spray? just. No, but no. basically if they touch your skin, you get blisters. Hmm. Like yeah. that's how, but they would just come by the millions. And we were like trying to like do unnatural things in Texas, like grow potatoes and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we could never get a good crop. We could like, they would, they would come through there and just like go down in the ground, eat the potatoes and leave. It's like, wow. That Texas well, wasn't meant for that kind of stuff. No. no. I mean, that bug sounds like it should be in Australia where everything kills you. No kidding. No kidding. <laughs> no, they were, I, I remember we were just, the, those things were, were terrible. Like, yeah, they would, they would, if you, apparently like if they bit you, then it was lethal, but just touching you gave you blisters. Huh. I don't know. That's what they told us. I didn't, hmm. I didn't ever bother to touch them. Yeah. Right. <laughs> what, what did the, what was the view of like Salt Lake City Mormons from, uh, from your what do you call it? A comp? I, I mean, to me, it's like a. Well, so, so as far as what what it was, I mean, there was there was originally Short Creek or um, the you know Hilldale in Colorado City, but then my dad eventually branched out to first Colorado, then um, South Dakota, and then Texas. Mm. 
Um, so we were kind of in those uh, four locations primarily. Um, but the view of the view of the Mormon Church, what we were taught is um, that the 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 Mormon Church was um, it was apostate and Gentile is what we were taught, but. We were told that it didn't hit, it didn't become apostate and Gentile until 1978, um, when Spencer W. Kimball supposedly got a revelation okay. allowing, um, black people to come into the church. Interesting. Mm. African Americans to become members. And, and once that, then my dad, um, well, Uncle Roy actually, who was my, the prophet before my grandpa, um, he, he, he came out and said, like, it's over for the LDS church. Let me see if I can do an interpretation here. So Gentile in most of the world will mean, would mean Jew or non-Jew, but is what you're talking about. The reason why they call them apostates and Gentiles, because when you get your patriarchal blessing and you're, you're given the, uh, branch of the tribe of Israel that you come from. They're saying that the regular Mormon church doesn't have authority to do that. Therefore, nobody is of any of the the tribes. Well, the reason – well, yeah. So they called it apostate and Gentile because there were people there that were originally – so so at, at that point, like there were people that were there that were originally part of the true church and then it apostatized. But because those people that apostatized had brought people into the LDS church after that point, mm. then anybody else they had brought in after that point was Gentile. Okay. Um, and, and Gentile to us was just pretty much anywhere that anybody that wore a t-shirt. <laughs> okay. Like, you know, they didn't wear long sleeves. <laughs> okay. So it's like, you know, if you saw somebody wearing a t-shirt that came in, oh, there's Gentiles in town. Hmm. So. I'm going to go drive around there with no shirt. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually a lot better now. Like there's, there's, there's a, a lot of people there with, with t-shirts and stuff. So it's, it's a lot more normal now, but. Well, I, I don't know if we, if we discussed it, but the, so the, the primary difference between, well, I, I don't know if it's, I guess maybe you could call it the primary difference. One of the more, one of the more, um, I can't even think of the word to describe it. The the more controversial differences between main, that that would be a good word the between mainstream LDS church and the FLDS church under your father is the the concept of temporal plural marriages yeah um so your your mother was one of how many how many wives did your dad have i think it was the last um Last count I did was 78. 78 wives. It was 78. Um, I talked to Brielle, um, and she said that it was 79. So somewhere in that ballpark, right around 78, 80 Who's Brielle? Uh, she's my dad. She was my dad's 65th wife. Ah, oh, wow. <laughs> and how many children does he have? Do you have, do you have any idea? Um, yeah. So I, th I think the last count I did, it was 49 biological. Okay. So. So these other, so the other women, did he just assign them to himself or, I mean, if they, because he didn't have children with them. So. Yeah. He didn't have children with a lot of them and a lot of them were, um, he, he, you know, he would, the teaching that he would give them is that basically they were, um, being preserved or whatever till the redemption of Zion. And then like when, you know, after we all got lifted up and then, you know, set down again, then they were going to have children. Hmm. Um, so that was, that was what he taught us, but 
really, he just really didn't have the hots for that many women. He only had the hots for a few of them. <laughs> so when you, what do you mean by, by what you say it? So you, so you mentioned when you're lifted up and set back down again, what does that mean? So it, it originates from the same thing in the Bible where, where Jesus, I, I think somewhere in there, like we didn't read the Bible a lot, but I think Jesus says that, you know, the, the righteous or, or chosen or whatever are going to be lifted up. Hmm. Um, yeah. so it, it, it's kind of that. And then Joseph Smith magnified on it and, you know, tr- like went into great detail about like how exactly it was going to happen and how worthy you had to be. And then that, um, that kind of progressed my dad, you know, you know, magnified it on, on it even more. And, you know, just that, that was pretty much the whole, the whole, um, motivation for everything was we want to be worthy to be lifted up. That was, you know, our whole um, you know, the, the end goal or, you know, my, my, my nightmares as a kid were nightmares about monsters or, or things like that. It was about, um, you know, the destructions happening, the world ending and the rest of the family being gone and, and you not being lifted up and me not going with them. Mm. Those were my nightmares. So yeah. Being left a, behind. Being left behind. Yeah. That's. Mm. Mm. A little bit of mental torture. Yeah, it, it is. <laughs> it is. And it's hard to get out of. But yeah, it is. It yeah, is. It's and, and it's 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 a weird thing to realize that what that that's what it is. Well, I mean, I can just imagine at that age, I mean you're having those nightmares, so you're probably dwelling on everything you've done throughout that day, throughout that oh, week, yeah. throughout that month, going, Oh, is that gonna get me in trouble? Is that gonna oh, yeah. or, I mean, is is God gonna be mad at me for doing that? I mean, that's I could just see that playing over and over in your head. Oh yeah, it did like crazy. And and I I mean I remember dreading the day I turned eight. Because you know, eight's the age of, age of accountability mm-hmm. in, oh, the, in right. the doctrine and covenants, <laughs> yeah. and what we were taught is after the age of eight, then you're accountable, so you no longer have like a free pass into heaven, mm-hmm. and so you're you're fucked. So after I was eight, I was like, oh, sh- that's it, like you know, <laughs> I'm not good enough. Now. I like onions way too much. <laughs> <laughs> before before then, it was just like you know, I'm getting in, like either way. Like, nice try, Dad. Like, I'm still getting in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, let's, so let's establish a little bit of a timeline. So who, who was the leader of the church before your father? Uh, so my, my grandpa, Rulin Jeffs, he was there for, uh, from 1986, uh, to 2002, um, before my dad. Um, and then before him, it was, uh, Uncle Roy, who I was actually named after, uh, Leroy Johnson. Um, and he was, he was the, well, at least what we were taught, he was the leader from, uh, 1948-ish, I think, somewhere around there till 1986. So it's just basically kind of the same thing the Mormon thing is, but except for, um, I think the Mormons, like, you know, do the commons consent thing. Um, we kind of, um, you know, didn't, ended up not really doing that, um, you know, sometimes they would formally and get up and do it, but if anybody challenged it, they'd like pull them aside and say, "What the fuck is your problem?" <laughs> what do you mean, so, common consent? And so, in in the Mormon Church, there's a, there's a doctrine about in 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 the doctrine and covenants. There's the uh, doctrine about common consent. So it's basically kind of um, tries to mirror democracy a bit, where everybody votes and says, you know. I've, you know, we we uphold. I uphold an I, yeah, prophet, and I uphold the prophet in. So, um, we, they, they were like, you know, they, they supposedly, they do it every once in a while. They'd be like, do you support, you know, but it was a very rare thing. They wouldn't do it if a prophet became the prophet. 
it was it was more just a, a sign of loyalty than actual like you know um, a democracy or democratic type mm-hmm. um, um, process. That's what it is in the mainstream Mormon Church too. Nobody ever opposes. Yeah, nobody so. ever opposes. Which well, yeah, which makes sense. But um, um, but it's just it's just like. I, I mean, I don't know. People may like if people opposed in there. I don't know what they would do. I think they do talk to you about it. They remove you did from they? the meeting and okay. talk to you. I, I think that's how it works. Yeah, it became in about there why you're wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in in there, it became like if you if you dared do that. So my dad actually he ended up started doing this common. He called it common consent, where after every revelation he gave, which a lot of times, it, I mean. I remember one time it was an it was eight hours of revelations. We sat one Sunday. There was a small break in between, but we had to get back and listen to more revelations. And at the end of every revelation, you had to stand up, raise your right hand, and say, "I accept." What does he What does he uh, reveal during eight hours? So much bullshit. It's like so hard to. It's hard to follow. I wish I would have brought the book with me, but it's like um, he, he's he he tries to talk in. In um like ancient biblical uh terms, mm. but like ancient biblical terms two point so he's like <laughs> he goes really weird into um so so like if if you know if he saw this drink, he'd be like my son roy i I can you know thus saith the Lord, you are condemned for um having a a drink of alcoholic way or um of alcoholic order he uses order and way a lot. Weird. So mm. yeah, it gets really weird. It's super hard to follow, and then and then because it's super hard to follow, you're like, I'm not inspired enough. Like I can't catch on to this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I think L. Ron Hubbard and your father would have been really good friends. And Joseph Smith, he did the same thing with the Book yeah. of Mormon. Tried to well, no, like there's I guess there's biblical. audio recordings of L. Ron Hubbard giving his revelations from Scientology, where you'll sit there for like eight, nine, ten hours on audio tape, just talking to everybody. Yeah, or Jim yeah. Jim Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, there's a uh, yeah, no, there's there's thousands of hours of my dad talking. Hmm. So, they, so a lot of this was was recorded. I'm. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. okay. They have recordings of everything. He's very particular about recording it. Hmm. it. Does he? I mean, I'm not. I don't want to make this sound like a bash your dad session, and that's no, not go at all. For it. Not it's not do, at all my intention. Do it all I'm, you want. I'm just <laughs> curious about these. I mean, it's not very often you get to talk to somebody who knows one of these charismatic religious cult leaders and yeah. so is 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 he i mean he seems to be someone who has uh, uh an ego yeah yeah but he but he 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 uh he uh he has a very he has a very good way of going about trying to make it seem like he doesn't uh, or he mm-hmm. he's very he's very good at you know going out of his way to profess his humility Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, he, he definitely has a very big ego, but, um, you know, and, and, and that became more evident as he became the leader and, you know, anybody that voiced any concern or disagreement or questioned, um, anything that he said, you know, he would, you know, he would, um, remove their fan, like he'd take their families away. He'd send them away, tell them they'd lost priesthood. Um, you know, he'd take their families, marry them to other men. Um, mm. so it was, it was, it, it became, uh, some pretty, pretty big consequences if you disagreed. So yes, he did have a very fragile ego, but at the same time, he, you know, 
just he came off or or he you know in there that's what it felt like as he's just super humble but he's also you know but in there we you know there's no way I would have recognized you know how big of an ego he actually had hmm. because I was so afraid but right this is Matt Dillahunty and you're listening to the Godless Revolution the question is <laughs> is to to Christopher is how you can justify why you take something away from people from 95, that gives meaning to 95% of the American people and replace it with something that gives meaning to just 5% of the American people? Ha! Well, um, what an incredibly stupid question. Um, <laughs> uh, first, first, I've said repeatedly that this stuff cannot be taken away from people. It is their favorite toy and it will remain so... <laughs> As, long, as Freud said, in the future of an illusion, it will remain that way as long as we're afraid of death and have no problem, which is, I think, likely to be quite a long time. Second, I hope I've made it clear <clears throat> that I'm perfectly happy for people to, to have these toys and to play with them at home and hug them to themselves and so on and share them with other people who come around and play with the toys. So that's absolutely fine. They are not to make me play with these toys. Okay? I will not play with the toys. Don't bring the toys to my house. Don't say, my children must play with these toys. Don't say, my toys might be a condom. Here we go again. Are not allowed by their toys. I'm not going to have any of that. Enough with clerical and religious bullying and intimidation. Is that finally clear? Have I got that across? Thank you. Rejoining the Godless Revolution podcast now. Now, I've always heard this rumor, or I don't know if it's considered a conspiracy theory, through some of the other documentaries I've watched on the FLDS groups and everything, saying that they think that Warren actually killed Rulin so he could take over the church when Rulin was on his deathbed. And I've I've heard that too, but um, that I mean, this um, I, I'm I'm a pretty skeptical person, so I mean, there's a lot of stuff, you know, there's um, seed bearer rumors and. A lot of stuff that I've heard, but um, that it just lacks evidence. So I, I don't know that that's what happened. I didn't know if that would, um, would have been a rumor that I, was ever going around. Like, oh, it wasn't going around in there. Okay. Oh, by, by no means. That's something I've, as far as rumors go, that's something I heard after I came okay. out that they, you know, said, you know, this is what we think happened. But I have no evidence that that's that was the case. Hmm. Um, you know, although it would have been super easy to do because my dad was just he was. He was, you know, incapable of doing anything. Or, I'm sorry, not my dad, my grandpa. <laughs> okay. My grandpa, he was like 93, I think. Yeah. And, and that, he that's kind of the walk, like, he couldn't do anything. The, so. the rumor I heard is basically that Warren was sick and tired of waiting for him to pass so away. And he was like, I want, he's like, I, I want to take over this church. I want you to die so that way I can just, yeah. I can be in charge. Yeah. It, it, it would, it would have been very easy to do. And, um, Obviously, would seem likely from an outside perspective, uh, but it's something I don't know if actually ever happened. And you know, obviously, I'm sure he wouldn't ever want anybody to know if that yeah, was the case. Yeah. <laughs> so within the within the LDS Church, there's a line of succession, right? The, right. That whoever is just below the president is the next one to become president. Is there any such thing in the FLDS Church? Like, is there a is there a hierarchy? Because it kind of sounds like. Your dad was just this despotic dictator who who ran everything himself. Did he have 
underlings? Did did he have like a a quorum or a presidency or anything like that? Yeah, well, he had a presidency, and that's kind of how he became um, the next prophet was because he was the first first counselor. And um, so, like I said, we didn't really have quorums. We didn't eventually, um, you know, late 1980s, 1990s, we didn't have apostles. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, it just be, it just came to a point where the only um, quorum we had was the quorum of the first presidency. And basically, uh, you know, in my lifetime, it was whoever was the, you know, generally it was whoever was the first counselor then became the prophet, which, you know. That only happened the one time mm-hmm. from my grandpa to my dad. Um, but before that, I mean, for, I mean, back, I don't know, back to the early 1900s, they always had, you know, between six and 10, and they were always trying to get to 12 apostles. Um, so there was like, <laughs> still, still looking for yeah, that other still half looking. They to... had to be like worthy, and I don't know what. Yeah, check what every the, strip club. Yeah, no, no kidding. Hey, my dad was good at that. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I was just joking there. I didn't know that was no. going to lead somewhere. No, he he was the the. Uh, I think he was actually down in uh, uh, New Orleans at some of those strip clubs in in uh, uh, right before Hurricane Katrina because oh. he came back and he said that. Um, he was there just before Hurricane Katrina, okay. and the only reason it happened was because he turned the city over to Satan. He so, turned the city wow. over to Satan. How nice! He cursed the city. Yeah, so he was like, you know, like soaking in the glory for it in on our side of it. But I mean, yeah. like you read his, you read his diary or his his. Uh, he called it a sacred record. Um, but you read that now, and like he was, you know, going to strip clubs, um, you know, having orgies, going to wow. movies, whatever. You know, so he was so. he was apparently self aware enough. That he like wrote this stuff down. He wasn't. He wasn't completely. He hadn't deluded himself to the point of the level that he wanted to delude the rest of his followers. Right. So he's writing this stuff down. He didn't. He didn't in his own mind have this pure and white and delightsome view of himself. He knew <laughs> the things he was doing. Um. Yeah. On. On. From my perspective, there had to have been some point where he consciously made a decision to keep going after he realized what how wrong everything was that he was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but he needed a constant reassurance of people that, you know, we worshipped him and he needed that reassurance in order to convince himself that he was doing right. Um, and then I've seen kind of the same cycle in prison where he goes through, you know, like I'm guilty, I've done terrible things. And then, you know, the people that are most loyal, they don't tell anybody that he said that. They go back and they're like, this is a test, reassure him, tell him he's perfect. And then... Oh. Um, and then, you know, he's like all high and mighty again. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, so it just kind of feeds on itself. It sounds like, yeah, it's, that's, that's what it, it, it appears to be to me. Um, cause I mean, like he, he won't allow anybody that talks, um, you know, that would talk straight with him. He won't talk to anybody that would do that. Um, you know, when he gets, you know, he's in court or gets in you know deposition or whatever, he just sits there, I plead the fifth, I plead the fifth, I plead the fifth, I plead the fifth on everything. And so it's like, dang. So he hmm. won't do an interview with us? No. Oh. <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> it'd be the hard Lord, to do that The anyway. Lord says yeah. no. <laughs> well, yeah, it'd be hard to do that anyway because he is in prison. Um, yeah, yeah. What was he ultimately convicted and sentenced for? 
Um, so I think he was convicted on two counts. Um, and I think, I think one of them may have been aggravated, uh, sexual assault of a minor. Hmm. Um, and then another one was just like sexual assault. I think, I think there was two. I'd have to look it up again to find out, um, exactly what it was, but he's, he's in there for life. So yeah, that's that's good. Hmm. Yeah. And that was, that was because he had taken child brides what would how old was his youngest wife the youngest one and the one he actually went to prison for was um late 11 going on 12 oh, Jesus. so yeah, yeah i remember showing up right after he'd um, married her and i was just like holy cow like but my yeah, my young mind i was i was fine with it because you know girls in the house is you know i'm, I'm good with that but yeah um but you know now i'm just like that's that's despicable and just disgusting. Yeah. So. Well, so let's let's move away from talking about your dad a little bit and yeah. talk more about you. What what were some of your earliest memories uh growing up and and being do do you refer to it, to crickers as as cultists? I mean, do you do you view it yeah, as a cult now? Yeah, or? it's definitely a cult. Yeah. Um yeah, it's definitely a cult. Um but I mean, up until I was about 10 years old, it was pretty normal, like uh, as far as a, a polygamous family could be. Like you know, we had a structured, um, you know, house. We didn't, we didn't. I mean, we worked um, in the summer during the winter and stuff. We went to school just like the normal school season. Um, but you know, it was you know we had a structured. You know, we got up every morning, went to family prayer, and um, you know, went to school, did our schoolwork, came home. Know some, you know, had chores. Um, um, just it was a pretty routine, um, normal life up until I was about 10, 11 years old, and that's when my dad took over and kind of upset everything. Um, but I mean, like, I, I recently went down to uh, went down to my uh, childhood home. Um, well, one of my childhood homes, I guess, because it was mm-hmm. from about the age of six to 12. Went down and walked through that thing, and it was just kind of a, a amazing to me, like seeing that place and um, you know, going back through everything that happened there because there was a lot of good stuff there, um, and especially with my mom, I had a lot of good memories with her. Um, so, um, growing growing up there, um, I don't know. I mean, I was a I was a pretty hyper kid, um, um, ha- a pretty happy kid too. Um, and that kind of all changed, um, around the ages of uh, 11 or 12. Um, but growing up uh, from up till about the age of 10, you know, it was, we, we had, um, I mean, we, we celebrated some holidays. I mean, we celebrated say July 4th, July 24th. Um, we celebrated, uh, gosh, I'm trying to think we had like a, like a, just say for those. Now, I was gonna say for those outside of Utah, July twenty fourth is Pioneers Day here in Utah. Yeah, so it's a it's a well known uh, LDS uh, or, or Utah state holiday. Yeah, so um, yeah, we 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 spent um, a lot of or we spent uh, holidays like that. Um, prophets birthdays were always um, holidays or. Um, like the current prophet or, or current going prophet back, like... or not, not all of the prophets, um, uncle Roy's basically prophets that have, that had been there or, you know, had, had lived in that town kind of, cause that, 
that whole um, movement down there didn't really start till the 1930s, um, 40s. And mm-hmm. so it was, it was like Uncle Roy's birthday, um, my grandpa's birthday. So it wasn't any any of like the the um, prophets in like the 19th century. Um, any any of like like ancient like you know Jesus you know we we celebrate Jesus's birthday on April sixth. Oh, and instead of like celebrating by eating, we celebrated by fasting. <laughs> that sucks. That's crap. It's like here's a holiday. Don't eat anything. No kidding. I was like, God, I hate juice. <laughs> if only we could have had alcohol. Um, but no, but it was it was good. I mean, we had we had um, park days. We had we played games. Um, you know, there there was some good good experiences growing up for sure. Up until about the age of ten, eleven. So. Well, so what happened around the age of 10 or 11? So it was when my, my dad finally, or when he took over, it was about 2002. I was 10 years old. Um, and things just kind of went downhill from there. Um, you know, he started, you know, saying anything. I think it was, I think by 2004, he had eliminated all toys. Um, so we had, you know, with that big of a family, we had a ton of bikes. Yeah. And um and our family particularly was just very heavy into sports. Um so um and and my dad had like a, a basketball court made for him and um everything and we you know uh, um we did a lot of rollerblading, um you know, dodgeball, tons of stuff. So we had to like throw all that stuff away um and it was just became you need to work. Um, so it became, you need to, you need to turn, you need to change yourself to where work is fun and play is bad. Wow. Well, I was going to say, like, you know, was there a cutoff of what he considered a toy and and what wasn't a toy? But it sounds like, well, because you can turn a stick into a toy, right? As as a kid. So, which we did, (laughs) which we did. So would you get in trouble for that? Like put that stick slash toy down. It was a tool. They would just tell us to quit playing around, but they wouldn't say put that toy away because it was a tool. Yeah. Um, Hmm. but no, we, I mean, you know, being down in Texas, you know, we, they'd, they'd figure all, all kinds of things to do to, to play around, um, down there too. And, um, yeah, you, you, like with, with kids, you can't get like, at some point they just want to, you know, release some energy. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, you just had to get creative if you wanted to put play those around. little bastards to work, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like down in Texas, I remember we'd like, you know, just chase deer with ATVs just cause we could, <laughs> just cause we could, we'd like, you know, get them cornered and then. Shit our pants when they attacked us. Well, I admit to doing the same thing in Texas, but I was drunk <laughs> and not on an ATV, and I was chasing a deer through a parking lot on a military base. <laughs> I wish I could have been. <laughs> uh, so, and and I've listened to uh, a lot of the other interviews you've done. Yeah, uh, you mentioned that a lot of the work was centered around either farming or construction. Yes, and construction um, was because we needed to learn how to build and perfect our building talents so that when we went back to Jackson County, Missouri, then we would, you know, be pros and be, oh, and so we would, basically, because we were of the blood of Ephraim, so we were going to um, teach the other tribes of Israel 
I kind of forgot that those guys were going to be coming back sometime. Like <laughs> they were supposed to come like, like any day now, <laughs> well, they're supposed to like come and, Oh, well, they're supposed to land up by Alaska. That's what ah. it was up there, up there in the, like up by Alaska, they were supposed to come land up well, there. Well, they could have, because there's a lot of parts of Alaska that are just very rugged and wilderness. They were, they they're probably just, there already. Yeah, Who knows? They could be stuck out in the woods <laughs> trying to defend themselves from a bear. They're still walking. They're well, just so, like on their way. Yeah, so, they're supposed to land there? Like. Yeah. Well, no, they're supposed to come land in the ocean there, like a whole, oh. a whole chunk of the planet. So supposedly they left, went across Asia. Went up all of the the tribes of Egypt or, or the the tribes of Israel besides Ephraim went or half of the tribe of Ephraim came up there and then they were like taken into heaven like Enoch and his city. Hmm. Um, so kind hmm. of the same scenario except for they're um like not perfect. So Enoch and his city is perfect. Tribes of Israel not so much. Well, yeah, he, he chose one of the coldest bodies of water to land in. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so <laughs> so what so what in the FLDS is the significance of Jackson County, Missouri? Why would you need to get prepared to go there? Well, because that's the that's supposedly that's where the Garden of Eden was, and so that's why um, the Lord chose it as the site for the temple. Is kind of the I don't know. I'm not familiar if the Mormons believe that. It, too, yeah, they but, do. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's kind of that same mentality, but um, yeah, it's it's where the Garden of Eden was and where it will be. <laughs> as anyone who's driven through Missouri knows. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that gorgeous, luxurious landscape. Yeah, just don't go there in the winter. That's bullshit. It's <laughs> horrible, absolutely horrible. Well, you don't like the Midwest in the winter? No, oh, actually, I, I don't. When you get doing construction out there and you don't have um, um, really any protection, um, you know, it's it's horrible. <laughs> you just need a man up. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> So your your father takes over the church uh, when you're around 11 or 12. Say things start to go downhill. You guys start doing construction work and just farming and everything. Does all of the community just readily accept this as this is the word from the prophet? Is there some grumbling? I'm sure the kids weren't entirely happy about it. Did you, did you pick up on any of the adults expressing some dissent with what was going on? Well, so that primarily happened. Um with what was going on in Texas. So the people in Colorado City didn't go through that um until mm. until years later. And what my dad would do is he would put the family through it and you know sometimes like people in Texas or the other lands of refuge is what he called them. Um he would put them through it first and then you know eventually years down the road he put the rest of the people through it. Um, so, you know, he, he, he had us get rid of our toys and stuff in 2004. He did the same thing down in Texas. Um, but he didn't have everybody do that until, I don't know, 2011 in Colorado city. He didn't have it. So, so he'd run us through it first. Then he would, um, and I don't know if it was just kind of as a test run, you know, he's, he took the, the children away from their mothers first. He, he he put us through everything first and then did the rest of the people. That yeah, hmm. sounds like you guys are beta testers. Yeah, we kind of were. We're kind of the guinea pigs for everything. Yeah, basically see, hey, are they going to follow suit with this? Well, will they go along with yeah. it? Oh, they went along with it. Everybody else will go along with it. That's yeah. Kind of what it it, t- like it took a, a lot bit. of indoctrination, but no, it didn't just happen overnight. Um, it, it took a lot. It took a lot for him to get the rest of the people to do it. So, yeah, it was a. It was why, a why whole do, indoctrination process. Yeah, I mean, is that is that all it is? That's why people – because, I mean, it sounds like he – I mean, it's on top of just, like, turning everything upside down and shaking it, um, 
lot of sort of unpleasant new policies, new revelations that he's, you know, no toys, you know, moving, separating families. He's like a proto ice agent. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, it why was... do people do, why did people do it? Why did well, they... it was, uh, I mean, ultimately what, what it was, was definitely mind control, but it was just kind of in a, an, an indoctrination. It was just kind of, uh, that was kind of the first step that he had to do. Um, I remember, you know, the, the, one of the first things is he was like, don't play dodgeball anymore because you're like hitting people oh. and we don't like violence. Mm. So you're hitting people. Um, so it was mm. stuff like that. And then it was like, you can't, you know, play games because they're games. Games are of the world. Um, so we can't have anything that's of the so world. So are potatoes. Yeah. Unless you home grow. <laughs> 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 no. And, and he was getting to that where he was like, he wanted everything homemade. Like everything down mm. to our e- even your tools and the lumber you used. Yeah, that, holy cow! Like all oh, of the houses down there was stuff that was um, brought from Canada by priested companies. Oh wow! So holy shit! Yeah, That's... so he was he was very particular about where stuff came from, mm-hmm. um, and he was trying to get to a point where all of that everything was homemade. Everything was, um, you know, um, he, he became super super particular about being separated from the world and everything that he was doing was a step in this direction of um, not ever having pleasure. Like by the time I left, I remember like if you laughed out loud, by the time I left, it was like people would turn their heads and be like, what's your problem? Hmm. Um, It's like Quakers almost. Yeah. But it was, it was just like, it it just kind of just a really depressing environment is what it, it eventually became at least by the time I left, but it took a lot to get there. And it had to start with, you know, removing like just simple pleasures and, you know, stuff like that, where you just entertain yourself, anything for entertainment. Hmm. I mean, I remember him saying, you can't have videos, not like, not like a movie or anything, just like a video, like take a video. Oh, you can't watch that. Get rid of it. Oh, wow. Hmm. So any, anything like that. What would people take video with down there? Did I mean, it's my understanding that there wasn't a lot of technology available to people like you couldn't watch tv you couldn't listen to the radio uh did they have mobile phones or Uh, just what there was some mobile phones um but it was more we didn't we didn't have any sort of entertainment as far as outside entertainment but we had um like yeah we had ipods i think it got to a point where he was like um get rid of anything electronic Hmm. I remember being, I think I was like 20, 21, and he was like, get rid of um, like a, an iPod. And I'm like, why? Like, what What bad thing am I going to do? Like, I don't even have a computer. Like, this is the old iPods. Hmm. So it wasn't like, I'm just like, what bad thing am I going to do with this? And um, it never made sense to me. Um, it actually kind of pissed me off. But yeah, <laughs> sure. it took a and long time. That to was start the get... start of everything yeah. for you getting up. A... <laughs> yeah, that was the start of everything for a much better life. <laughs> how, how, yeah. does, how does anyone get anything? I mean, is do people have incomes? Is there any money? I mean, I can't imagine he would allow that kind of. Well, so now, now it may be much different now, but um. What the way he was he was doing it um, when I left, um, so so they owned um, basically they owned these several construction companies, mm. and basically you you turned in 
all of your money or, you know, a ma- major portion of it. And basically they've funded all these people that weren't living or that were living on the church by all of these other people that were donating all of their income or, or these companies would donate a lot of money. Um, uh, but, and, but they would only pay their employees minimum wage. And this is like, you know, journeyman electricians, project mm-hmm. managers, all these guys getting paid, you know, minimum wage or barely above. So it's, you know, hmm. socialism. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. It, it was, it was, uh, I, I mean, I don't really know how to, what, how to define socialism. I don't even know. Yeah. I was just the, being, yeah, I was being dumb. Yeah. A lot, of, a lot of people say that. And I remember when I first heard, of socialism, I was like, oh, yeah, these guys are just trying to, like, make the United Order. And I'm like, <laughs> screw that. <laughs> so you can't have toys. You can't have videos. You're working all the time. How many brothers and sisters have you got just in, in your immediate biological family? You mean by my mother? Yes. By your mother and father. Well, by my father, there's there's forty nine total. Well, I but in so your father and your mother combined, how many? How many children? Oh, four. Four. Okay. Yeah, and you could tell by you could tell which ones which wives he liked by how many children he would have with them. So apparently, he told what my sister told me is that he said back in nineteen ninety eight ninety nine when she had her last kid um, that she was no longer worthy to have children, and so he she she only had four. Um, but you know, the, the wives that he liked would have, you know, 10 or more or whatever. Hmm. Hmm. Um, so yeah, we, we didn't, uh, my, my mom didn't have a lot of, you know, kids, which I'm fine with. But. <laughs> <laughs> and are your other siblings, so are, are your other siblings from your mother? Are they all still in? Yeah. Yeah. Are they're they? all, they're all still in there from my understanding. Um, I have a few half siblings that are out here, um, but as far as my immediate siblings, they're all still in. So, do you still have communications with them? Or no, st- no, they they like I was I was the first one of my dad's kids to leave, and so I kind of broke the ice for the family. But at the same at the same uh, the same time, it was it was when I, when I chose to leave, it was it was a uh, it was a conscious decision to never see them again, ever. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like. I was shocked when I found out that some of my half siblings um, had left. Well, and you because I mean, when you're on the inside, you know that's the consequence of leaving. Yeah, is that nobody will ever speak to you again, right? Yeah, and and they'll literally disown you. Like my dad called around to the rest of the family and said, um, "Roy is no longer my son, and don't call him brother. Don't call him, you know, son." Um, so it's a it's a it's a very um, clean cut. Just they disown you fully. Is I mean that's got to be a miserable transition. Like, oh, it's, I mean it you're is. totally isolated. Then like who do you? I mean who do you even have now? Um, well, not, not that I'm trying to get personal. <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm no. just saying like as a rhetor- I'm just thinking as a rhetorically like what? How? What would that be like? I mean what? What is? What is your trans? What has your or transition just, been like? I mean, what is well, it? it's it's very terrifying. Um, at first, um, I was fortunate enough to um get in touch with a nonprofit out here that um helps people um and and i'm a i'm a kind of guy like i don't like um i don't like uh uh, freebies like i don't like people Mm -hmm. giving me free stuff so i tried to get in you know on my feet as soon as i could and you know they helped me with like 
some some gas in my tank um mm. and, and stuff like that a few times but um i was fortunate enough to be able to um you know be helped by them um but it's it's uh i don't know it's it's been quite a process um and it's it's um i i've kind of just had to um become okay with not become okay with not um requiring a massive social circle or social support mm. like i have you know i have you know therapist and but i don't have a lot of like close friends or anything like that but it's just kind of a process like it's it's taken me a few years to get there um but it's a it's a um i don't know it's just it's kind of where i just have to start looking at myself and being like okay what's best for me um, you know, what, what do I need to do to, um, you know, make, make my life better and also being let down a lot, um, just makes you not trust pretty much everybody. <laughs> sure. So it's really hard to let people, like I've had a lot of people try to get in my life and it's just like, you know, I, I, I'm, uh, it's, it's much what is, safer. What are their motives? It's what, what yeah. are their motives, but yeah. it's just much safer just because of what's, you know, stuff that's happened to me. Um, so it's, it just becomes much safer to, um, just, you know, try and feel like it's cool to be alone, even though it's fucking lonely. <laughs> I'm getting there. I'm trying to build a social circle. <laughs> Hi, this is Justin Schieber, formerly of the Reasonable Doubts podcast and currently of Real A Theology, and you are listening to the Godless Revolution. So I changed my theology a thousand times. I mean, by the time I, but the the last God I believed in, Seth, was the greatest God in the world. He was so wonderful. He agreed with everything I cared about. He was so nice. He wasn't sending anybody to hell. He wasn't responsible for any evil thing. And the problem is, is that like I was in love with that God until I realized, of course, like if God and you agree that much, it's maybe because you invented him. You and the Godless Revolution will be reassimilated in three, two, one. Well, that's that's kind of how you and I got in touch. Um, that's true. Uh, the fabulous Lindsay Hanson Park. For anybody, for anybody who is interested in in Mormonism or anything, Lindsay has her own podcast uh, called uh, Year of Polygamy. Yeah, she's been doing it for more than a year now. But so maybe she <laughs> want to adjust the title. I don't know, but she does a great job. Um, I know she does a lot of help and outreach and support for people uh, leaving both traditional or mainstream Mormonism and people leaving uh, the FLDS church and stuff. Um, and she had contacted me because, uh, you know, she contacted me out of the blue. Apparently she was down at your old home with you doing some, doing some work. And you had mentioned that you're now an atheist and you were having a, a difficult time finding a other atheists around and everything. And she's like, Oh, I know somebody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Immediately off the bat. She's like, Hey, I know somebody. Yeah. Yeah. So she's awesome. And, and you, you had a great two part interview on her show. I would recommend that everybody go check that out also. Um, so what were you guys doing down there? Um, I, I've seen some video where you tried your first diet Coke, which <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't know if you liked it or not, but that is not at, by any means the best soda no, available. No, it's not. <laughs> Dr. Pepper. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, so I, I recently became quite addicted to grape soda. 
Oh yeah, I don't know why. Everybody is good. Everybody at work thinks I'm crazy a little bit, but <laughs> I'm like I don't really give a crap. <laughs> grape soda is kind of my thing. No. Which grape soda? Fanta. Uh, uh, yeah, Fanta is good stuff. I, mm-hmm. I make sure they buy that special for me. So <laughs> I don't know. That's kind of my thing. Um, no, we were. Um, so I, I didn't. You know, I was, I was going through a little bit of stuff, and you know, talking to Lindsay, and she was just like. Well, come down here. So I was just like, okay, what the heck? Um, so I drove down there and, um, you know, found out it was like a service project. So, um, they were, they were, they were trying to change the old zoo into a, uh, into a nature center, apparently. The old zoo. So there used to be as well, it's, it's still there, but it's just doesn't have any animals in it. Oh. But, um, it was a, it was a functional zoo. Zebras you know, got outlawed as well. Oh, within yeah. within the in the town, yeah. Oh, wow. We had mm. there was there was a ton of stuff, like a lot of there was a lot of exotic um animals. They were before it got shut down, they were just about to get a giraffe. Um huh. they had, you know, they had camels, they had I mean there's even still, like while we were down there, mm. there's emus everywhere. Or two <laughs> actually two emus. And they're just they're super friendly though. They like come up and eat out of your hand okay. and um, they were like roaming around, you know, as we were working and they probably ate all the flowers they planted, but <laughs> so there's still a few remnants of, of animals there, but they're tr- tr- trying to tr- change that into a uh, nature center. Um, so I was down there, um, down there working with them doing that and, you know, took some, they were staying at my dad's old house down there. Um, so, um, I took, you know, I don't know about 20 to 30 people on a tour through that place um which was pretty surreal going through that it was very bad yeah it was it was it was really weird seeing you know um you know experiencing everything like going back through all the feelings of positive fun times we had there and then just really shitty times that we had there so um no that was really a, a really quite a therapeutic experience for me um but went and spent the weekend down there with Lindsay and um very needed, but yeah. So how does that work now with your, your father is still the head of the church, even from prison. Um, how do, how do things run there day to day and who, like, is there anybody that would have told you, no, you can't come in here. This is the prophet's home. Well, so the UEP, the, the United Effort Plan Trust, um, owns all of the land or did. And so basically they've been, because cause the church has um, – we, we refused to pay occupancy fees to the trust um, and, and taxes and stuff. Well, I, no, I think we paid taxes. We just didn't pay the occupancy fees or something. I have no I, – I don't, I don't know all the details of that. Um, but because – basically we were told that we shouldn't because we owned this land. It was the church's land and it was wrong. Um, it, it was uh, – we, we were going against God to give money to the trust, even though the trust owned the land we were living on. And basically they just kind of kind of ran up their tab so high until the trust was like, okay, you gotta pay up. And so they've been evicting a lot of people, which is it it, it really sucks because, you know, they're putting a lot of women and children out on the street um in, in a lot of uh, in a lot of situations. Um but, you know, from the trust point of view, I don't know what else they would do. Um because you know, basically, they're going against God or their religion to um, pay the money. But at the same time, it's you know, you know, they got to pay. Somebody's got to pay the money. Um, so, 
basically that's what happened with my dad's old house is they evicted him, um, evicted, um, whoever was living there. I don't know, um, who hmm. it was at the time, but. Hmm. So you just, it's just it's sitting just empty sitting now? There. Yeah, yeah. It's just sitting there empty. I think they had a temporary occupation permit or something. So that's how we were able to stay there for the weekend. But well, it's huge, right? How how many rooms does that home have? I think it has forty two. Wow! Holy shit. Wow! Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, it's like I went. In, I was like, man, this is small. When I went in there. <laughs> well, it felt it felt really small because as a kid, yeah, I was just right. like, this is awesome. Like I remember it's, running it's a, down the mansion. halls, and I mean, we weren't supposed to run in the house. <laughs> yeah. Um, because the house is dedicated, but. Uh, <laughs> that's a whole other thing um but i just remember that just being like wow this is huge as a kid but i walked in there and i was just like holy cow this is so tiny hmm. so it was it was um i don't know but, another slightly off question you don't have to answer if you don't want i'm just no, curious if you have any idea what his net net worth would have been like around the time of his imprisonment or whatever before well so nothing was attributed to his name specifically ah, okay. no, but but the amount of money that he blew through um in in building um in building the the ranch in texas and building all of the other lands of refuge well and um, building the giant temple too right yeah well that thing that thing the, the land itself now is worth about 20 million but Ooh. um the the amount of man hours that went into yeah. that um everything Easy, easily up around five hundred million. Shit. With with everything that they put into that, as far as just expenses and fuel and power, mm. and um, you know, they had these these massive electric saws that they cut all of that stone with, mm. running twenty four seven. Huge motors and I'm huge motors cutting through solid rock twenty four seven for a straight year. Um, stuff like that, just just yeah, s- huge expenses. Wow. Um easily easily upwards of five hundred million, I'm I'm would assume. That's insane. Hmm. So you said that your your other siblings are still in the are still are still in the cult. Yeah, uh, I would assume your mother is as well. Yeah, she's so my dad, um I, I started to voice my questions or my um I started to voice how I was feeling, like I was thinking about leaving or tempted to leave um, a couple years before I left. And so around that point, my dad cut communication off between me and my mom. Um, So I didn't talk to her for about two years before I left and haven't talked to her since. So it's been about about five-ish years, somewhere around there, since I've seen her talk to her. Um. Well, actually, about five and a half since I've seen her, um, five since I talked to her. Um, but, yeah, I have no idea where she is. And it would be awesome to find out. But And I've I've talked with some people. Like, you have no idea where she is at all? I have. I mean, I can, I, I can assume maybe she's in Colorado somewhere or Wyoming, somewhere where they tend to have houses in hiding. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Um, at the same time, you know, I've heard rumors they're, you know, m- branching out to other states, branching out to Mexico. So I don't, I have no clue. Um, and it would be, yeah, it would be, and I've, I've talked about, you know, seeing if I could round up some funding to go find her, but at the same time, it would just be like, you know, if, if I find her, the best thing I could do, if she didn't want anything to do with me is give her my phone number, mm-hmm. you know, and whatever, you know, I. I got to pay for my living and expenses and in life just to 
exists. So it's like, you know, it, it's kind of on her terms whenever she's ready. Yeah, well, from yeah. from everything that I've gathered uh, in in listening to your other interviews and, and watching your other interviews, it sounds like you were pretty close with your mother. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, that's I, I imagine that's got to be something that, that you think about on a regular basis and that's, you know, been difficult as you have transitioned out of the cult is just being cut off from her and, like you said, not even really even knowing where she is. Yeah, it it is. And it's it's kind of a black hole because there's, you know, there's been situations where people have got sick in there and my dad has, you know, told them that's their punishment or um, you know, refused refused care, wouldn't let them go to the hospital, you know, and I'm talking like cancer stuff like that. So I I'm always deathly afraid that something like that would happen to her and I have to just kind of not think about it in order to make it through the day, but um no, I, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely, uh, a, a, a worry of mine, but yes, we were, we were, I was very close to her and I was fortunate, more fortunate than a lot of the, um, a lot of my other siblings, because my dad would usually pull them away from their birth mother, put them with other wives. And then, um, you know, they would raise them and my, you know, kind of didn't really, so, so the, the birth mother didn't really have as close of a relationship as, and I think he did that quite intentionally. Um, because that, that, you know, allowed, you know, not allowing kids to have that, um, allowed, you know, him to be able to, you know, kind of push, you know, be the puppeteer, I guess, um, without, yeah. without any sort of, um, emotional, emotional consequences or whatever. Um, you know, even though there were, they just weren't as big, um. But for me, it was it was a huge deal. You know, he took me away from her at the age of 14, um, moved me up to a ranch in Wyoming out in the middle of nowhere. Um, and that was really hard. I mean, I remember crying for days, um, trying to trying to, um, you know, just wish, you know, trying wanting to be around my mom. But um, yeah, it was it, I, I was I spent a lot of time I was in hiding with her. Um, it got to where it was just me and her and we worked together all the time. Um, I, I don't know. It was, I was more fortunate than most of the other kids to be able to, um, you know, go through a lot with her and, um, I, I don't know. It's a, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a, like, um, a tough subject. I don't know. My, my mom, um, you know, miss her like crazy, but. Um, yeah, she was, she was, uh, absolutely amazing and everything good, pretty much everything good I ever learned as far as discipline or manners or, um, anything like that, I definitely attribute to her because my dad wasn't there ever. Um, you know, I only learned a few things from him, but so, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. I'm sure that's incredibly difficult. I can't imagine how that would be, you know, I. My mom lives, you know, three and a half miles yeah. from my home here, and I don't talk to her as much as I should, I'm sure, you know. <laughs> well, and, I'm thinking that all the time. I'm like, <laughs> I should have said something more. <laughs> I, I should have. Um, no, it's it's more just the uncertainty mm, of not yeah. knowing, like, if she's okay or, like, like uh, in, a, in a weird, twisted way, it, you know, to me, it would feel better to know, like, if she was dead. 
Like that would be more than to just have it wide open yeah. than to just have it wide open being yeah. like, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Absolutely no idea. Yeah. Human brains don't like that. Yeah. The, the unknown. Yeah. When it's yeah. just out there floating yeah. and you know. Yeah. It's, it's one of the, yeah. Miserable. It's, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's super miserable. <laughs> so. It, would your father exercise punishment? So it, I know that they're, um, they're, you know, when, when your father would, either kick young men out of the community or they would choose to leave or whatever. There's a, there's a fairly large number of, uh, young males who have left that, uh, have often been referred to as the lost boys who, you know, leave short Creek. They travel up to Salt Lake city, try to, you know, they, they associate with each other. They live in apartments together sometimes for support. Um, is there, would your father ever punish, the remaining family members, if if somebody chose to leave or was kicked out, would he also then punish the the people who who remained? I mean, is that is that a concern for you that your leaving would have carried with it some type of punishment for anybody else in your family? Oh yeah, oh yeah. That's that's a huge concern because, and and I know it happened because I I saw it happen a lot. Um, where it was like, because what, what, what we were taught is, is that if a child leaves, blame their parents, their parents screwed up somehow. Didn't raise them right. Yeah. Didn't raise somewhere in there. They, they fucked up. So Mm -hmm. it's like, so I know that that's what my dad was saying to my mom and that's what hurt. And I didn't, that's part of me. Like when I left, I was like, I don't know if I want to do this because I know what my dad's going to say to my mom and I don't want her to hurt because of what I did. Even though I know that's what happened, but you know, I you know, eventually had to make that choice. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely, definitely, um, it, it's more. It isn't so much toward the family as it is toward the parent. Or you know, it, and it's funny because it's like, okay, but you were my parent. But yeah, too. I was gonna say, well, fuck so, you, Dad. You're the one. <laughs> <laughs> you fucked up somewhere too. So, <laughs> so it's. Uh, I didn't really think of that until somebody had brought that up to me. I was like, oh, that's right. He is my dad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> kind of distance myself. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I can't. I can't imagine having to live that kind of life. You said that you went into hiding when you were younger. What what was that all about? So for some reason, my dad was telling us. Some reason, my dad was telling us that um, the the government was after us. That the uh, his enemies were after him. Who those were, or why they were after him, we had no idea. But we were just told that they were after us, and so, and and eventually they were. You know, with you know, they put him on the well FBI's. after him, yeah, yeah. They they were after him, but um, basically they were like they're after me, but they want you so they can get to me. So basically, that's why uh, he had us in hiding. Um, so I was thirteen, I th- no, twelve. When I was twelve is when he um shipped us from shipped us from Colorado City down to uh, uh Albuquerque, New Mexico, mm-hmm. and. I mean, we lived in a, in a subdivision, you know, the houses were, you know, 10, 12 feet apart and we couldn't open the blinds. We couldn't do anything like that. We, you know, I remember, you know, we, we sat there for, you know, 30 days like that with just the, the house just blacked out pretty much. And like, like a witness protection program that you put yourself into. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Except for you couldn't leave the house. You yeah. couldn't do anything like that. And 
Um, and eventually he was like, okay, you can go get some exercise. But basically what we had to do is, is the, the vehicle we were in had to have blacked out tint and we would get into it in the garage. They'd take us outside the city up in the mountain. We'd get out, walk around and then get back in the car, come home. Um, so th- lived in that kind of a situation for about a year. Then eventually we found a house outside the city, um, where we were able to go outside the house more. Um, but, um, yeah, that was, that was, uh, my, and my mom was there through the whole thing. And that was kind of my, um, experience of isolation because I was, um, I didn't have any other siblings there. Um, so it was just me and my mom and some of my dad's other wives. Um, and eventually it just became me and my mom, but, um, no, we spent, um, a lot of time absolutely paranoid, totally paranoid that something like that somebody was going to recognize us. And I don't know, it was a, it was a very suspenseful time, but it's like suspenseful for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> fear tactics. Yeah. Yeah. It is very much a fear tactic because now it's, I'm just like, well, Fuck you. I'm not going to hiding. Like, that's my, my feeling now. But back then, it was like, you know, you didn't have a choice. But. Yeah. Well, these, you, you say these, you, you had a home where you went and you had to stay and it was blacked out. Who owns the home? Like, where does this well, property so it, come from? It's rented. From? It's rented. And we had okay. a caretaker. So they had a caretaker, um, which was just another FLDS guy. And he had the license by my dad. My dad basically says, you're okay to like, you know, um, wear, wear t-shirts and stuff so uh, that he to, could be so that you could fit into the community and, but we couldn't see him in that stuff. So mm. basically he had to change in the garage and then come in the house. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Well, and we didn't really talk about that a whole lot. The, the style of clothing that has to be worn by FLDS adherents. You, you, you said there are Gentiles here. We can tell because they're wearing t-shirts. Yeah. What do men and women typically have to wear? So it's it's like a, it's a one piece underwear thing. Um, the magic we, underwear, yeah, the magic <laughs> underwear. Except for we didn't have like symbols or whatever the Mormon Church um, LDS people have on there. Oh, really? You didn't have the no. compass and square. Basically, or... we were told it was in preparation for when we actually got to go to the temple. Oh, okay. Uh, so once we got to go to the temple, then we would you know have like the special underwear. Mm. But for now, we had to like have Hanes, which Hanes is actually pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so uh, yeah, it was it was that it was you know had to be. Um, uh, long jeans and it couldn't be faded. Um, it had to be like a solid color of jeans it had to be, um, you know, a, a long sleeve shirt. Um, and you know, working in, in the, the summer heat with that, oh, I, um, I, is, is, uh, pretty miserable sometimes. Well, yeah, you've got one piece underwear on underneath a long sleeve shirt and dark jeans yeah well and you kind of eventually adapt to it like you you uh you get acclimated yeah yeah you 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 acclimate to it so it's and and then eventually you just sweat so dang bad that like you know your your whole body's drenched and then like when the wind blows it's like oh (laughs) (laughs) that's the best wind ever (sighs) yeah that still sounds like it kind of sucked oh it did (laughs) 
Now I'm just like, oh man, t-shirts are so nice. Oh, yeah. So nice. I'm a fucking ginger. That's how my mom would make me mow the lawn when I was a kid. <laughs> Plus a big hat. Yeah. Like, and, and then, so I would mow a big section of the yard and then just stand under the hose like, oh, this is the best hose ever. I'm going to marry this hose when I get older. This is great. Don't you still wear a big hat when you mow? Yeah, I do most of the time. Because Dude. I hate being sunburned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're still ginger. And it happens like that whenever I go outside. Mm-hmm. No kidding. That happened to me down there. <laughs> you just get sunburned real easy? Yeah. Yeah. Just gingers. Sucks. It's fucking <laughs> awful. I'm sure that's... <laughs> I was going to say, I'm sure that's why your dad didn't like you a whole lot. I, but I feel like I'm... <laughs> <laughs> it probably is. That's what it was. I knew there was something. <laughs> I feel like I'm kind of getting ahead of myself there. So you've talked uh, you've talked on, in other interviews about how uh, you had this feeling or sense that your father just never liked you at all from day one for some reason. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't. And I know. thought, well, it's obviously because he's a ginger. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably why. No, and I remember thinking things like that as a kid. Like, I part my hair on the right, and my dad did it on the left, and most of my brothers did it on the left. And so I was like, you know, that's, there's, there's, you know, that's, I'm going to hell. Like, you know, um, it's got to be what it is. Yeah. It's, you know, and, and I remember for the longest time, like, I parted on the left anyway, and I had like the weirdest looking hair. <laughs> Because of it. And so, yeah, that, no, I would, I would definitely, um, um, internalize a lot of that stuff. But yeah, for some reason, I don't know why it seemed like he, um, kind of went out of his way. Like when I say I was in hiding and stuff, um, you know, he, he called me back in, uh, 2004. Um, he, he called me and he says, you're the only one of my children that's not worthy enough or good enough to come to Zion out of all of his kids, you know. Do you and, think that it, do you think he said that to anybody else? No, because they you, were all like it wasn't just something that he would say to try to bring people into line. Like he, do you he think it may was have. like he said it only to you? He may have, but um, yeah. the, the but they were all there. Like, it, they were all in Texas. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. So he and, called me and said that you know you're not good enough, but all the other ones are. As a tactic, I could see that being ex- uh, successful or effective, but. From an emotional standpoint, it doesn't fucking matter. You know what I right, mean? Right, yeah. Yeah, like the effect that it would have on him is on well, Roy it just, is still For me, it just was and, like, yeah, I'm a piece of shit. And yeah, yeah, all yeah. that. I mean, it just basically reaffir- reaffirmed or just kind of drove home the fact that I was, you know, a piece of shit. So it was, mm-hmm. uh, it was, um, no, it, for some reason it felt like he, he went out of his way to do that. You know, I was the first one to... Um, you know, that he sent back to Short Creek after he promised that we would never go back and then it would become a, it became condemnation to have to be sent away for things like to be, have to be sent away to hiding, have to be sent away to Short Creek, uh, to have to be sent away to work. And I was the first one that he put through all of those things. Um, you know, eventually after, you know, years, then he put the, he started having the other ones go out and work and stuff. Um, but for some reason he, he, he would isolate me and then like any message he got or I got from him, it was like, you know, if you are good enough, then you can come back with the family. Like, so it was just kind of the same. And, and by, by the time I left, that's, you know, my, why, why my mindset was nobody, none of the other families ever going to leave. Like, you know, that's Mm -hmm. why I felt like I was never going to see him again Mm -hmm. was because of how that isolation had happened so much. That I was like, I'm the only bad one. I'm the only bad son. And so that's why I'm never going to see him again. But 
you know, definitely wrong there. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I, yeah, I, I had wondered if, if that was maybe just something that he used as a tactic with a lot of people that he wanted to bring in line is like, you're not worthy. Yeah. You need to do X, X, Y, and Z before you become worthy, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, I didn't know that everybody else was already there in Texas. So. Yeah. And he, he may have done that with other people. I don't know, but just mm. my personal experience. Um, that's, um, you know, it, it, he, he definitely felt like we, he went out of his way to do it. Well, did you ever hear him praise anybody else in, in the, in the church? It was very you know, rare. Say that brother so-and-so is doing an exemplary job of this or that, or sister so-and-so is doing wonderfully. Not very often. It was, it was usually only of like, um, like his counselors, like Wendell Nielsen or Fred Jessup or Merrill Jessup. Um, you know, he would praise them to the moon and back generally, um, you know, like they're one with me, whatever. Um, but he didn't, I, I mean, like I never, I remember getting one compliment from him and I was, I remember being like, what the heck? Because he gave me a compliment telling, you know, thanking me for how good I had been but I had recently just started masturbating again. And I was like, (laughs) this doesn't add up. Like you're supposed to have revelation and know that I'm being good, but I just barely started masturbating. So what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) And so he's like, (laughs) (laughs) he's like, thank you for like being good or whatever. And, you know, let me go to a land of refuge. And I was just like, Okay. So. <laughs> huh. Hi, this is Yvette Dontremont, a.k.a. The Cybabe, and you're listening to Godless Revolution. You can find me at Cybabe.com, at my Twitter account, at The Cybabe, and if you've hunt really hard, you can find me at Pornhub. I dare you. The problem is to have a way of thinking about the world that doesn't allow you to reliably navigate because you are not basing your your worldview on evidence and argument. That's the problem. Thank you to everybody who has rated the show on iTunes and Stitcher and are following us on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. And to all our Patreon patrons, you make the show possible. You mentioned earlier that you constantly felt guilty after the age of eight because this is the age of accountability and blah, blah, blah. And you constantly had things going on in your mind. And I remember uh, listening to part of Lindsay's podcast and interview with you where you talked about sending your dad letters all the time. Yeah. What, what were, what were those? Confession letters. It was, it was always, um, I mean, I remember, I remember at the age of 13, I think I wrote a 12 page letter to him. Um, cause I was like, you know, confessing anything that I did, you know, anything that I thought. I did or confessing my thoughts. It was just like, you know, just a lot of um, just analyzing what am I thinking and confessing it and um, and sitting there trying so hard not to think bad that you think bad and then you have to confess it. And so it's just kind of a whole circular thing. And so it was just a. a yeah. You, don't think about an elephant. And the first thing in your mind is, is an, an elephant. elephant. Right. Yeah. You know, and so it's and that became the thing with with sex or or sexual attraction. By the time I left, it, it kind of hit me after I left. I was like, he spent so much time telling us not to think about the opposite sex that that's all we were thinking about. 
and then punishing ourselves for thinking about it. And then it was just like a whole, uh, it was, it was a kind of a circular, just, you know, kept going, um, chain reaction or whatever, but yeah. Um, forgot the question. <laughs> oh, just, I was asking you about the letters and you, oh, yeah. you had sent so just many of confession. them. To... It was all confession. Yeah. Confession letter after confession letter. Hmm. So you bounced around. He put you in hiding. Would send you back to Short Creek. Did you ever end up in Texas for any amount of time? Yeah. So um, after two and a half years of being in hiding and him telling us, telling me that I was not worthy to see him, um, uh, then he allowed us to come down from uh, Albuquerque to El Dorado, Texas. And I was there for, I was there for three weeks. And at the end of three weeks, he got caught in Vegas. Mm. And at that point, um, he immediately called back. Like, I think it was his first or second call out of prison. And that was my first experience of like public humiliation because, <laughs> because he called and it, we had a speaker system over the whole house. This is a huge house, um, you know, with 130 odd people in it and, you know, had a speaker system. Um, called in and was like, um, I want Roy to like, you know, go somewhere else, you know, sent me away. Um, so I was there for like three weeks and I didn't come back for over two years and it was only, it was after the raid. So at that point it was like a lot of people were just coming in and out without, you know, um, without my dad's permission. And so that was, um. About three weeks was the extent of being there under my dad's um, jurisdiction or his when he was kind of running the place. Hmm. Well, I mean, he was caught with a bunch of money and stuff, too. Yeah, he was caught. I, I don't know how much it was. I, I, I seem to recall had, something like $200,000 yeah. or. He was always carrying tons of cash with him. Yeah. He always had tons of cash with him. Um, a lot of a lot of cash. Um Got to have something to pay to the, the strippers else. with, man. No kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, he he always he always had cash. He had a lot of oh, I you know like a lot of uh, wigs um, hmm. that we called it like disguise. Hmm. So it was you know shorts and t shirt and um, you know tanning lotion or whatever. Hmm. Um, I don't know anything you needed to do to try and get away from the FBI. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he did for a good year and a half. Yeah. You also mentioned school when you when we were talking earlier. Do they send you to public school or are you homeschooled? No, they don't send us to public school. Um, so up until about the age of 10, when I said things were sort of normal, mm. is we had uh, private schools um, um, that I went to. One I went to is Jeff's Academy. Um, but by the age of- It's Jeff's Academy. Come and see Jeff. Come to my school. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it's Jeff's Academy. This is the prophet school. Oh, Uh, last name Jeff. That's what what he would say all the time. This is the prophet why the, school. Why the hell didn't I make that connection? I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 I made a Roy Jeffs, son of Warren Jeffs, and he's yeah. going to Jeffs Academy. <laughs> I, I made I, it instantly. Yeah, I was, I was. Well, whatever. I mean, it happens. I just, in my mind, the first thing I thought was like, oh, the modestly named. Yeah, Jeffs. <laughs> but I had to get up yeah. super early for the graduation today. <laughs> I'm not making some things click here. 
<laughs> yeah, no, yeah. So that was kind of the private school we had in Colorado City, and then wait, who was who's over that? Like who who decides curriculum and and my dad. Okay, my dad oh, did. So a lot about evolution and biology. No. <laughs> nothing about yeah. that it was all priesthood history science was pretty much considered bullshit yeah um i hate so it was just more church pretty much it was it was a lot of that i mean we had um english we had um oh, okay. you know math um back then we had you know a lot of like you know public books that were published out here and we would buy them um but um, eventually it, it became where they they created or wrote their own books and then, you know, um, distributed them from there. And so then, your word problems in math were like, Noah needed 30 cubits of gopher wood and like that kind of thing. <laughs> well, it wasn't biblical related. <laughs> Basically what no. they did. Oh, yeah. They didn't like the Bible that much, huh? Um, No. Basically, my dad had to teach it to us. We didn't yeah. really. My dad was like, oh, don't worry about reading it. Just. Um, yeah, I'll pick I'll, out the good parts for you. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, but um, I lost the train of thought. Oh, just School. public schools and what you were learning School. there. Matt talked about science and, and evolution and if you have to learn about gopher wood and cubits. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. So that's what it was. So basically they took um, they took a book that was, say, published out here um, that had, you know, games and toys and and things like that, maybe crossword puzzles and word searches, and well, well, just anything that, basically, anything that referenced, um, uh, like a, a oh, having a normal life, have, right, having yes. a normal life, or like, <laughs> or like a, a a thing of the world, or an mm. event of the world, or worldly. anything that yeah. was worldly. Mm. They went through and replaced. So, like, instead of like a toy, it'd be like a shovel, and oh, um, instead of like a game, it'd be a work activity. And basically, they went through the whole thing. And just kind of rewrote it. In How can that we way. make school even less appealing no to people? I was thinking Put how bleak this damn sounds. shovel yeah. in there, or a pick. <laughs> oh, but no. Um, so that's kind of what school became um, uh, after after uh, my dad kind of dissolved the private schools there in Colorado City, hmm. and then it just became homeschooling. I went down to Texas. That was sort of a school. Um, a sort of a private school, even though, like, I don't think we were licensed or anything. Um, and it was kind of the same thing, just, you know, all that, uh, religious propaganda infiltrated in it. But, um, no, we didn't have anything as far as science, social studies, um, U.S. history, world history, nothing like that. Mm. The only history, um, that we had that related to like American history or world history is where, um, it intertwined with um, LDS history, mm -hmm. um, and and uh, our you know priesthood history. So, how did your brain not explode when you got cable TV? <laughs> it did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I sat there for days and days. Like I would just, I mean, I would go seventy two hours without sleep, just oh, man. watching Netflix, like watching Dexter and stuff. oh yeah, just like, oh, well. sitting there like, and I'm doing construction, so it's like hard labor, and like I'm like, oh shit, I gotta go to work. Like I, after watching all night, and so I go to work, come home, and I'm like. I'm not tired. Let's turn on Dexter again yeah. <laughs> all night again. And then just it, it was miserable, <laughs> emotionally very taxing. It's interesting <laughs> to think that, you know, even even in a world with 
all of those amenities and everything, we, we do acquire sort of an ability to figure out how to appropriately apportion our time yeah, that kind of stuff. for for that because it is certainly addicting i mean binge, oh, wa- yeah. binge watching with netflix is a huge thing but i mean i can only imagine for someone who doesn't who has no experience with that how that that allure would just take over i mean you you would yeah you're you're pretty much a uh um a kid in a candy store right. except for if all the candy was pot maybe i don't know <laughs> something even better oh, crack than that, yeah. yeah crack yeah. something yeah but no, I, I You're yeah. total babe in the woods. Just, I, yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I started, like I ran my, I, I was streaming. So I, I had a, I had a, a cell phone, uh, a Samsung S5 or, or four or something. And I was, I was streaming data, um, through my phone to my laptop, watching movies, mm. racked my bill up to like $1,900. Yeah, say oh, that, that bill shows up. <laughs> Yeah, because that was back before the days of unlimited data, and so it was just like I was just like, oh, I'll pay for it later. I need to watch a movie right now. <laughs> oh, damn! So man. that that was shortly before I left. Then after I left, I found out Netflix um, um, existed, and then that was pretty bad. Actually, <laughs> really good, but yeah. <laughs> well, what what was the biggest shocker to you when you came out? Like the first thing you got to experience that was. Like maybe forbidden to you before, or just something you got to do that you always wanted to do that you weren't allowed to do while you were in. Hmm. Grape soda. <laughs> That's probably it. <laughs> no, probably sex. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. We are human. Yeah. Except for Matt. <laughs> <laughs> You're an alien. I guess so. <laughs> so you were watching. So you were doing all the Netflix and stuff while you were still. In I didn't. Nicole? I didn't. I found out Netflix existed the week I left. Um, right after I left, then one of my cousins that I was sleeping on their couch, and they're like, "Why don't you get Netflix?" And I was like, "What the fuck is Netflix?" <laughs> <laughs> I actually didn't say that. I didn't say the word "fuck" until a year after I left. But um, now you love it. It's the yeah, best. Now I'm just like, "Fuck, fuck, fuck." <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no. They were like, "Yeah, why don't you get Netflix?" And so I got Netflix, and um, I, I binge watched um, a show called Nikita. Mm. Um, and then like I I uh, started getting too worried. They were like it, that it was a mind control. Oh, so I quit watching it. <laughs> I quit watching it for a while because I was like. They have in the show, then they have like this thing that like controls your mind and it, they, it like goes up your nose, mm-hmm. inserts into your brain and then like, um, you know, makes you see things or whatever. And it was part, partially that partially sleep deprivation. <laughs> um, just everything. I was like, I can't watch this show anymore. Well, plus, plus an entire childhood around, around fear tactics and oh, yeah. paranoia. Oh I yeah. Mean. Well, and, and we were told that, you know, the world was bad. And I think right. another thing that would have been a big surprise to me was finding out that people out here were monsters or the people there were people that actually cared um so that was that was a huge thing for me finding that out because we were taught that everybody was out to get us mm-hmm. if we left like you know and they scared me and because i was going to leave about um eight months before i did and they scared me into staying because they told me you know the fbi is going to come after you they're going to try and get you to turn against your dad um, they're not going to let you have a job. If you do get a job, you're like, you're not going to be able to get education and nobody's going to let you have a place to stay. Um, they're because just, of all the shit just, we did to you. Yeah. Well, just what? fucking assholes. <laughs> <laughs> just because, just because they're like, you have to turn against your dad. If you don't turn against your dad, then you're just done for. 
Like even the people in the world are going to look at you with this disgust. So it was um, finding out that that was false was very relieving. Did you search out any other religions when you left the FLDS church? Yeah. Um, I So the day – not the day. So I, I left, um, flew over here to Salt Lake City um, and – I got in touch with a with a charity um here uh, a nonprofit and they um it was it was you know I I met them at a church um and now how did you even know to contact anybody like that was this... I I had googled them oh, I had googled okay. them yeah so you were you were taking steps to prepare leaving it wasn't like you just left in the in the Oh no I very, it was very much either. an impulse it yeah. was very much an impulse and I called them like on my last dollar like I was just like I think I had two dollars in my bank account, mm-hmm. um, and I called them asking for you know some sort of um, help if they had like a place for me to stay. Mm-hmm. I think that's I says if you guys can get me a place to stay for maybe two months, I can get on my feet and you know be out of your hair, which I did. Um, but um, so so I I got with this nonprofit, um, and then I went back down there to get some of my stuff. I went back down there to get some of my stuff and, um, you know, all of my uncles and all of the, the, um, the hierarchy or whatever, they got on a conference call, got me on the phone and were, you know, just basically the same shit over. Like you're going to hell, they're going to do this and this and this. I was just kind of like, by then I, I experienced this, you know, being around these people. So, uh, it's Tanya tool withholding out help. Um, just the, the positive, um, influence that they had they were just genuinely interested in me Mm. um without any expectation and so i was like okay this is new like i haven't ever felt this and just being valued as a human being yeah Yeah. being valued as a human being and so i was just like when i went back down there they were telling me like you're jumping off a cliff you're whatever you know just basically you know death hell and the devil eternal damnation you're the prophet's son, so like your damnation is going to be like damnation 4.0. <laughs> so it's just going to be like absolutely horrible for you. Um, and so, um, but then I was like, okay, you guys have been telling me all this shit, but you know, I just talked to somebody that actually valued me. So that's kind of why I stayed. And then at the same, but at the same time, um, I was like, I just want to like get this out of my head, like this, you know, running through my head of like, you're, you're going to hell, you're going to hell. So I went straight from Salt Lake or from uh, the Hilldale, drove back up here, went to a uh, non-denominational church called South Mountain Community Church in Draper and um, tried going there for a while, which I was very grateful that I did go there because it helped me get away from believing in my dad or believing that my dad was legitimate. Because mm-hmm. when I still, when I left, I still thought that he was legitimate. I was going to hell. Um, all but of he's this talking stuff. directly to the man in the sky. Yeah. And- all of, all of this stuff. But, um, but going to that church helped me get away from that. Um, and, and just qu- actually question like, where's your evidence for this? Um, you know, we claim to be this Christian, um, this, the, the one and true church. Um, that's a Christian church. What yet we pretty much wholly disregard the Bible, except for like, um, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then like the mm-hmm. rest of it, we just pretty much don't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, what? Why are we doing all of this stuff and going being diamet- diametrically opposed in a lot of ways to what Jesus said? 
Um, you know, like, I don't know, one that always stuck out to me is like, who, he who forbiddeth to marry is like a piece of shit. <laughs> That's exactly how it went. He said it just like word that. Word for word. Hey man, That's what like, it said in Hebrew. If you're not going to let people get married, you're a total piece of shit, man. <laughs> That's what it said in Hebrew, in the Hebrew, Hebrew translation. Yes. No. Um, so that was one thing that stuck out to me. Just a few, a lot of different things that, that, um, were diametrically opposed to, to what my dad had been teaching us. And I was like, okay, like, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, this was just all a big con on me and my dad's right. But then I was like, okay, but what if it's exactly opposite? It's my, my dad's the con on me and these guys are right. So I tried to go that route for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, with, with, with that church, but then eventually, cause they were like, you know, you can't go with this feeling. You can't go with this testimony. You actually have to look at the evidence. So I was, you know, like, you know, and so I was like, okay, yeah, cool. Like I can do that. And, and I, I did that for a while and like, I got all these warm and fuzzy feelings in the, in the church for a while. But then I was like, okay, when it became time to start looking at the, uh, the non-denominational church too, I was like you guys have some of the same fucking holes. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have evidence. You you still want me to have this super good feeling that I'm forgiven. And um, so, so it kind of came around the same, kind of went full circle. It was just like, um, I, I went through the exact same thing um, of, of, of being like, okay, if, if um, h- how do I know that, um, the whole story of Jesus wasn't just a cover up for an affair. Like, um, yeah. like there's no actual physical evidence that a woman could get pregnant without sex. Yeah. So, how do I know? I'm, I'm like that'd be a perfect cover up, or, or you know, be like God did it. Yeah, you might as well try it at least because death is the other option. Yeah. Right at that time and place. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Um, and you know, it definitely drive you to do some extreme shit, but, mm-hmm. um, so it was kind of that, that same thing. And then I'm like, also you guys, you guys rail against the book of Mormon and how false it is because it's just a book and you, they want us to have a feeling, but you're doing the exact same thing. You're just not asking me to have a testimony of Jesus. You're just asking me to accept his grace and like, you know, have a testimony, but just kind of go in a roundabout way explaining like how, you know, I'm forgiven and like, and like, I felt that for a while. Um, but, but then it was just kind of a, a big crisis when I was just like, I can't do this. Like I have these urges, like I want to have sex and stuff, but I go to this church and they're like, you know, it's okay if you sin, but don't sin. You're forgiven if you sin, but don't sin. And I'm like, (laughs) Like, where's this, the sense? This is, there, there's so much confusion here. Because when I did have sex, like, I felt horrible. I went and told Tanya because she's, she's kind of been my surrogate mom. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I went and told her and I was like, you know, she was like, that's okay. Like, you're forgiven, whatever. And I was like, cool, but I still did it. And like, I'm going to do it again. Cause it was really awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and, and <laughs> but then I was like, I can't be like, I want to be this Christian, but if I'm going to be a true Christian, then I need to follow the words of, of like Christ or whatever. And, but I, but at the same time, like I want to have sex, but I can't, 
Um, it, it's, it's just so conflicting right uh-huh. there. Uh-huh. But there she's like, oh, but you're forgiven. I'm like, well, it's going to keep happening. But well, great. Then I can keep having sex and keep being right. forgiven. But right? then like, I'm like, works well, then me, what the fuck is the point of the <laughs> yeah. Bible yeah. at that <laughs> point? Yeah. And so I was super confused with their, their outlook on it. And I was like, if I'm going to be a Christian, I'm going to have to be a Christian that follows the Bible exactly as it says. And I was like, okay, now I'm jumping back into this cult territory where I just do stuff. Because that's what the book says. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of went back into the same thing where it was like, I don't have, um, like, like I have these urges, these, these natural human urges. And even, even Tanya was telling me, like, this is natural to feel this way. And I'm like, okay, but it's a sin at the same time. So that makes no sense. That guy, um, guy, what an asshole, right? Giving you all of these <laughs> no natural kidding. tendencies and urges and no making kidding. it feel great and then telling you not to do it. Yeah, no kidding. This is New Name Noah, and you're listening to The Godless Revolution. Um, I have a moral challenge on this point. Answer me this if you think that morality comes from the supernatural, and we require celestial dictatorship permission for it. Name me a moral action committed by a believer, or a moral statement, or ethical statement uttered by one, that could not be made or uttered by an unbeliever. I've asked this in a number of venues and forums now. I'm going to keep on asking it. I've not yet had an answer. If I was to ask anyone in this room, however, could they name a wicked action performed or a vile statement made by someone attributable only to their religious faith, there isn't a single person here who would have to hesitate for a second in discovering what that was and saying it. If you have questions, comments, concerns, compliments, corrections, criticisms, or concepts for content, contact the show via email at godlessrevolution at gmail.com, by text or voicemail at 330-81-REBEL, or Twitter the twatter at TGR Podcast. Thank you! And so sex was a, was a big thing, like going through that, realizing that that I couldn't be a true Christian if I kept doing it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, for a while I was just like, I don't really give a shit, like whatever. I don't really like, like I didn't want to out of fear. I didn't want to say anything bad about Jesus or God or anything. Might be watching. Yeah. Might be there. <laughs> might be watching. Um, Sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. <laughs> it's kind of creepy. <laughs> He's in your closet when you're fucking. <laughs> Put a mirror in there and see if it scares him. <laughs> Oh, shit, I look like that. Um, <laughs> oh, God's watching me. Wait, I'm God. Oh, fuck. <laughs> so we're we're coming up on our two-hour mark, and I want to make sure that we can get to some of the questions that uh, listeners had sent in that they wanted to ask you. Um, and then we can, we can talk about more things. But I want to make sure that I get these done because people took the time to send them in to us. Uh, listener Taylor Grin says, Having come from such an insulated culture... What would you say is the most direct or efficient way to help people out of a cult? What were the most critical points of your journey out? So that's going to depend on 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 who the person is, like where the, the cult that I came from, you'll have a lot of um, moms, uh, single moms with a lot of kids. Like, and, and I don't mean a lot by four. I mean a lot by like eight or ten. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so situations like that, then they need, you know, more financial, more, um, like, like physical support, you know, like a house, like a roof over their head, things like that. Um, but the, the biggest thing for me, um, was, and and what holding out help played a massive role 
and was just um um not not just providing a roof over my head but it was um providing um emotional support mm-hmm. just somebody there that wasn't going to judge me mm-hmm. because I still believe in my dad for months after I left mm-hmm. they didn't judge me um they didn't talk disrespectfully about him um in front of me so that was that was a huge thing is is just understanding don't think even though they are like super weird don't call them out for it <laughs> it is it is it is I like looking back now i'm like holy shit that was weird like i was super weird but, but don't call them out for it because they genuinely believe things yeah, like that like sure. it's something that they are very genuine about and you just have to show them that there's a better way but you can't preach it to them you yeah. can't go to their face and say there's a there's a better way and, you know, you really need to believe this way. You can't. Hmm. Baby you just steps. can't do that. Yeah, baby steps and just being there. Just like physical presence of somebody else that gives, a, you know, cares about you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the probably biggest just thing. Listens to you and actually yeah. responds or back. Or it's just there to talk to about yeah. anything. So it's, it's just emotional support is the biggest thing that I can think of that hmm. helped me. I think that's a great answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shanti McMillan wonders, how has his perspective towards women changed since leaving? Was it a factor in him leaving? Um, I would say, so I'd answer the second one first. Um, it was somewhat um, of a factor, somewhat of a factor mm-hmm. in, in me leaving in that I, like I wanted to have a family um, and, and stuff like that. But my, my perspective towards women, um, it took a long time for me to to change from a very misogynistic um, standpoint mm-hmm. to to be like or to to get to the mindset now um, where I'm like, okay, women are are human beings too. They have every right that I should, you know, they should have every right that I have. Mm. And I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not so, and, and a lot of people that come from my culture are still in, in that misogynistic sort of mindset. And it's really hard to get out of. Mm-hmm. Um, but my perspective on, on, on women is just, um, I, I, I have the, the utmost respect for them. Um, putting up with men for as long as they have. <laughs> like, no kidding. Like, if I would have been a woman, like, I would have killed all the guys a long time ago. <laughs> like, they put up with so much shit. For men, my, my, I, I'm like, now I'm just like, like take the reins. Like, I'm good. You, you, be, the, you be in charge. Like, <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's changed drastically. Because in there, women are, are um, inferior um, they're there to support the man. They're there to bow to the man's wishes. And that's just how it is. And even when I left, I remember having the hardest time thinking, you know, I, I, I'm like, how am I going to find somebody that is going to obey me? <laughs> oh, God. And I was just like, I remember thinking like, I don't think it's going to happen out here. Like, <laughs> yeah, probably not. I might need to adjust my views. And, yeah. So, so I kind of had to get a harsh realization that it's a whole different thing and that women are actually people and I need, you know, I can't treat, treat women like they're subordinate, should be subordinate. I think that was a great answer also. <laughs> very, very honest answer there. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Keller says, how many others from his family are able or willing to leave? Do they have anyone that can help them? 
So there definitely is um, growing support. Um, there's a, a nonprofit called Holding Out Help um, that um, they they are Christian um, Christian based. They you know they say they're non judgmental, like they don't realize you know in some ways they are, um, um, or or in some ways they kind of lean towards that. They can't mm-hmm. help themselves. They don't realize it, but they do a lot of good. Yeah. And so there is groups like that, um, holding out help. Um, Lindsay Hansen Park has another, um, nonprofit. So there, there is, um, there is people that are, are there and, and a lot of donating to charities like that, um, will definitely help, will definitely help with, with just getting a roof over a single mom's head with a lot of kids, things like that. Um, now, the there there's a lot of my family members that um would be able to leave um but basically being able to leave and being um willing are are two totally different things because you it, it's a it's 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 a personal journey um like you can't right. you can't go up to somebody and try and convince them to leave if you run into a um somebody that's in the cold that's out there like on a construction site or something the last thing that's ever going to do any good is to try and tell them that they're wrong and they need to leave. Um, and that's a totally a personal journey. Um, but, but a lot of them are able, most of them aren't willing to just out of fear. Hmm. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I mean, I, I can't imagine that they would have stuck around well, if because, it weren't for a sense of fear and yeah. you know, fear of the unknown, fear of what are they going to do? Fear of punishment, fear of retribution, fear yeah. of, you know, losing their eternal soul to damnation. And that's the or biggest fear is, is losing yeah. your eternal soul. And so it's, it's a huge, huge motivator to stay, even though, you know, a lot of them have, you know, not a lot of money, but they have some money. Like when I left, I had some money to be able to get a flight to, you know, from Des Moines, Iowa to here. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're, they have the ability to at least leave, but most of them aren't willing to, um, just because of the fear. Um, that that um, is being projected on them. Well, yeah, I mean, how how bad does something have to get where you're like, the consequences of me staying can't be any worse than the consequences or potential consequences of me leaving, right? I mean, so right. Well, and that's where it got to me. I was like, so okay, it, it's, if, it's both bravery and desperation. Yeah. I would imagine. So you, in some you feel like you're quitting, that, but once you leave, you're like, holy shit, that took a lot of courage, right? To actually do right. it, but when you're doing it, you feel like you're an absolute failure and you're quitting. You feel mm-hmm. like an absolute, just the worst quitter that ever existed. So that's kind of, but once you get out, you're like, wow, that took a lot to actually do that. So yeah, it's a, it's a weird oxymoron. Wow. But, well, congratulations and for, to you for get, for being able to get out. Well, thank you. And it's a, it's been Indeed. very good for for being as well adjusted as you are. I mean, you've yeah, been out for dude. what two, three years now? Three, three years, almost just just over three God, years. I can't believe so. that. Like, does it seem like a long time to you since then? It seems like so fucking long. <laughs> really, <laughs> like, I have learned so much. Like, like most people, like I'm, I'm a pretty liberal. Like, I'm a liberal atheist now, oh. mm-hmm. and that's like a huge stretch oh. from oh, yeah. where that's I like come a 180 from. flip. It's pretty way. much a yeah, complete yeah. 180, and and generally it would take like sometimes I'm like, holy shit, dude! Like, why so fast? <laughs> I always have a mindset of like, I got to do it. I got to do it right now. And so once I decided, you know, once I um, made the the change from becoming like, or from being 
um, like a, just an asshole conservative to, you know, changing to become a, you know, like a liberal and stuff. Then like, I was like, okay, now I'm a liberal. So, okay, now we're just going to do like liberal shit. Yeah. You seem more normal than a lot of Mormons I meet around here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Who have left mainstream Mormon religion. Yeah. 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 That, that, that. Or uh, are still in it. A lot yeah. of those, a lot of those, um, um, conservative ideologies and stuff like that, that I just found, like, I was like, okay, why do I believe this? Why do I have this view? And I found that a lot of that was rooted in the religious values that I thought I had. Or mm-hmm. that I thought were pertinent. Mm-hmm. So it was like, okay, once I once I gave those up, it was like, you know, this is this is ridiculous. Like I can't I can't um, honest be honest with myself and still have this, you know, view towards women or you know this be this racist or mm-hmm. <laughs> <anything> else. <laughs> no, we we were we, we were like I will admit we were very racist. Yeah, we didn't think we were because we thought that you know. Um, African Americans were inferior, but um, that's what we were taught from the age of, you know. Well, that's yeah, that's, that's just all how God knew. made. That's, that's all you knew. We're not, yeah. we're not racist. That's just and the so, truth, right? So, yeah. yeah, God's the racist. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> well, and so, so we were taught that, um, you know, the the curse that Noah put on mm-hmm. on Ham's children. We were taught that African Americans were Ham's children, mm-hmm. right? And so that's why they, you know, that's why, like when when Barack Obama, like the greatest president ever. Um, when he, when he became president, we were like, okay, this is bad. Like this nation has gone to hell because they have an African American there. And like, and and that's what I found. Literally someone who was cursed by Satan. No kidding. And they were supposed to be a servant of servants. And and so when I finally was like, okay, when I actually listened to him talk, I was like, holy shit, this dude is actually pretty fucking good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like he's not this terrible person that, and I was like, okay, where was this bias? It was based in racism, not in actual policy or mm-hmm. whatever i mean like he's far more of a like a better christian than donald trump <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. well and it's oh, interesting man. too how conservatives don't you know they don't recognize that obama's really african you know like he's, <laughs> yeah he's also white like right but any sort of black in there yeah is it's just, just like, the whole just, thing it's yeah, just, just like a load of laundry. They just they one just color like ruins the whole white batch of whites. It's, <laughs> it's <yeah>. detrimental <laughs> well, to society. It's just not cool. Uh, yeah, I have another comment on that we can talk about in the in the uh, after show part of the show. Um, before we go, I have one more comment from a listener who says, uh, "This is from uh, Chad Jeffrey Russi. He says, "I don't have a question, Dan. Just a statement." Let him know that there are people like my wife and self that have read his story and support his actions to leave the FLDS on his own accord. Let him know we believe he has inner courage for doing so and that we would never personally discriminate against him for his upbringing and that we accept him just the way he is. Let him know that while some people might bully him or ridicule him, that in those challenging moments to know and remember that there are people, strangers to him even, that care about him and wish him the best moving forward in his new life. I appreciate here, here. I appreciate that very much, Chad. And um, it, it's it's people like you that that um, make it feel like it's you know that, that give us validation in coming out, um, coming out of a cult like that, and you know finding out that people out out here. I mean, there are definitely monsters, and I've been yeah. I've been um, I've ran into monsters, you know, and and had some bad things happen to me since I've left. Um, but there's also a lot of just generally. Um, people are, are decent. 
and pe- generally people care. So, and, and, and thank you, Chad. Yeah, thank I thought that was much. a great yeah. comment. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for that, Chad. And thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. Yes. Absolutely. This has been I'm, fantastic. Yeah, I'm very glad to be here. You've been a wonderful guest. We're, <laughs> yeah, we're going to, we're going to keep you around and talk to you some more in the after show for the, uh, Patreon. for our Patreon patrons. Yeah. Um, and then we're going to Netflix until 4 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably go home and do that. <laughs> uh, if you would like to also become a Patreon subscriber, you can do so very easily by going to patreon.com slash godless revolution. And for as little as a dollar per episode, you'll be able to hear wonderful extended episodes, some bonus content. You'll get to hear more from Roy in our after show. Uh, I want to thank our current Patreon subscribers, Christy Kalbach, Andrew Vodapich, Jefferson, Mo Cowbell, Wes Aaron, Utah Outcasts, Andy Faulkner, Angelica Pearson, Jeremy Goodson, Brandy Hamrick, Taylor Grin, Grant Larimer, Savitakuna, and The Gaytheist. Thank you very much. Thank you all very, yes, very thank much. You. Matt will not be with us for the next couple episodes. Yep. Going on a vacation. Ish. Ah. A workcation, more uh, like probably. A workcation. Um, I believe that the Purple Dragon. Ooh, is making an appearance. Is going to be joining us in studio for those two episodes. So that should be fun. And next week should be a good one too again. Yes. Next <laughs> week. <laughs> next week we will be speaking with Lloyd Evans. He's the senior editor at jwsurvey.org. So we're going to be talking to him all about Jehovah's Witnesses, Witnesses. which should be interesting. Because mm-hmm. I really am not very versed in that realm. I am not either. I know some things, but I know, I know about so the I'm light looking tower forward to this because, stuff, yeah, to learn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to hearing, to, to learning a lot more about mm-hmm. Jehovah's Witnesses and why they decide to leave torture porn on my, <laughs> on my porch like once a month. <laughs> I will be interested in downloading and listening to that episode. <laughs> and we will miss you very much. I'm sure. So until next time, crucify that like button. Don't forget to leave a review to achieve nirvana. And as always, rate the show five times a day toward Mecca. Dear God, hope you got the letter and I pray you can make it better down here. I don't mean a big reduction in the price of beer. All the people that you mean, you're in there to see them starving on their feet Cause they don't get enough to eat from God Can't believe in you Dear God, sorry to disturb you but I feel that I should be alone
don't believe in So this is only like another two hours or so, like the first. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I've been in church longer. I can handle it. That's true. I, I knew I was, it was coming. I was so fucking disappointed at Gray's graduation today. They had uh, in the fucking thing, they had an award for the LDS Student Alliance uh, for the College of Sciences. And I'm like, you guys don't do science. Yeah. <laughs> That's so high. fucked up. I'm making all kinds of noise with my microphone here. Sorry. Well, that's, that's for just for the Patreons. Well, like, oh, scratchy, it's, scratchy. It's, it's Dan's beard noises. <laughs> <laughs> it's a mating call in some states. <laughs> so- <laughs>